If you have, have your Bibles, we're going to look at a number of different scripture passages and uh, a verse at a time or a couple of verses, so you might need to page quickly. But uh, first is in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Um, who cares? Needs all over this world, and who cares? 1 Samuel 16, 7, Samuel is looking for someone to anoint as king over Israel, and God says these words to Samuel as he's looking for the exact right person to anoint to be king. Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God sees differently than you and I do. We tend to look at people's outward appearance. We come to quick conclusions and judgments, oftentimes just based on how some people look on the outside. And God says to Samuel in choosing a king, don't look how tall he is. Don't look at how attractive he is. Don't look at the outward appearance. Because I don't see like you people do. I don't see like that. I look at the heart. Your heart is very, very important to God. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. Matthew 15 and verse 8. The writer of Matthew, let's say he's Matthew, the, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit, is uh, quoting from the book of Isaiah. And we read these words in Matthew 15, verse 8. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It is possible to say that you care. It's possible to sing praises to God. It's possible probably even to quote scripture verses with your lips and yet not really mean it in your heart. Your heart can be far from God even though you are honoring Him with your lips. In Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, trying to go back and forth, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, you know. Uh, Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17 the sacrifices of God, the things that please God. What does God desire? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Your heart, my heart, the heart of Fellowship Bible Church, your individual heart as a member, as a body of this believers, is very, very important to God. He sees deep inside and knows exactly what your motive is, where your heart is, and it is possible, it is very, very possible to honor God outwardly with things and even our lips and yet to be far from Him with our hearts. Our hearts are very, very important to God. A couple years ago, I was in front of my one of my classes at Lancaster Bible College in my evening class, and I was standing up front, and I, it was an evening class, so most of the students were sleeping already. Um, and I remember feeling some pains in my chest, and, and then it, pain kind of went across my shoulders, and I started sweating, and I started getting pain in my left arm, and 
I remember thinking, I'm, I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to die in front of a group of students who are asleep, and, and nobody's going to know. You know? Uh, and I remember thinking, I should have someone call 911, and I'm trying to act like nothing's wrong, and I'm not sure anybody even noticed, you know. Uh, and then the, the pain passed, and uh, thought, wow, that was fine. And, and I'm driving home that evening, and I'm trying to decide if I should tell my wife or not. Now, what do you ladies think? Some of the ladies are saying yes. Uh, the ones that love their husbands, they're saying yes. Yeah. And, and what, what do you men think? The men are out there thinking, why would you tell your wife? You know, what? why? why? Say so you had a little chest pain. I mean, what's wrong with that? It's probably gas, you know. Uh, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said, you know, the G word in, in church. Um, well, and my wife's a registered nurse. That See, that just makes it worse. Uh, she knows too much already um, about, about a lot of things. Anyway, uh, I just called my Never mind, you don't need that. Um, so I get inside, and I'm sitting on the sofa, and I said, this is probably isn't much of anything, dear, but, you know, in front of class today, you know, tonight, I kind of had some pain in my chest, and I kind of went across my shoulders, and I started sweating. I had pain in my left arm, and I don't know, it was real soon after that, we were on our way to the emergency room. And, uh, and, and then before I knew it, I was in one of those gowns that doesn't have a back in it, and you're walking around mooning people that you never met, and and feeling really embarrassed and humiliated and everything else. And then some, you know, nurse that you never saw before wants to know everything about you, you know. And it, it was just it was just horrible. Uh, and, and all kinds of wires and EKGs or LMHs or whatever, it's all kinds of stuff. And I'm, I'm in bed, you know, and it's, I don't know what it is, probably 2 in the morning now or something. And some young woman walks in and she looks at me and says, how old are you? Now, that, that, that offended me. Uh, uh, and, and I said, 59, how old are you? <laughs> See, I got her. Um, and she said something like, I forget, 32 or something. I said, 32, I have children older than you. Uh, she, she says, I'm, I'm the cardiologist, cardiologist on call. I'm like, great, great. I have a middle school cardiologist. Uh, She's on, she's on recess, and she's coming to have me. But, uh, well, it, it actually turns out she actually studied in medical school, so that was a plus. You know, uh, unlike my students who were sleeping, you know. Uh, uh, and she said that I had a classic symptoms of, of heart problems or something. I think, wow, I'm classic. Uh, kind of like Coke. And... Uh, thought that the next morning we should, she goes, we should just go in there and take a look. Go, go in there and take a look? You know? And I'm not real good about details. Of course, my wife, you know, she wanted to know every detail. Don't tell me, I'll just pass out. You know, I don't care. You know. So anyway, the next day I'm in, going into, wheeled into the catheterization lab at Lancaster General Hospital uh, in, you know, that same gown. Uh, uh, and they gave me stuff, you know, so I wouldn't feel any pain. I wanted to be out completely, but evidently I wasn't. So, 
you know, first thing, I'm laying in there, you know, some of you hopefully have experienced this, and, and this guy with a mask on comes over and says, Dr. Good, how are you? And he, a former student, you know, is working in there, and he was there to shave me, which was just exciting. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out, you know, I couldn't remember what grade he got in class, but... Uh, 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 it's, the, you know, the... the the strange people you meet at at strange places. But anyway, uh, his name his name's Bill. Uh, I saw, uh, never. I just thought of something else. Anyway, so I'm laying there, and and you know they're doing the catheterization and blah blah blah. Talk, you know whatever. This is fine, you know. And then I then I hear my cardiologist. This was a, a different cardiologist. Uh, this was a, a an, an elderly man. But, that was encouraging. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, and seemed rather concerned, he goes, that slipped out. Why'd that slip out? <laughs> and, and I'm trying to figure out what could have possibly slipped out, you know. Uh, and it didn't sound very good at all. And, it, it, you know, you don't particularly want your cardiologist to say something like that. You, you, wouldn't you think he would know why it slipped out? And then I started feeling... <laughs> horrible chest pains. I shouldn't. Be, it actually did hurt. <laughs> I didn't cry though. I was highly, highly medicated, uh, and and it felt like my left arm was crush, being crushed. And I'm thinking, I'm having a heart attack here. Why did I come into this place? You know, <laughs> I, sh- I should have stayed outside eating potato chips. It, it, it's got the same effect. Um, so then I said, I'm having pain, you know, this is painful. And he says, and I hear him say, he needs morphine, he needs morphine. And see, that scared me too, you know. I didn't want to be a drug addict in the heart catheterization lab. And eventually I'm out on, you know, they wheel me out. I'm in, uh, whatever, the recovery area. And I hear one of the nurses saying to the nurse standing by me and my wife standing there. And she didn't look real happy. Uh, and... Uh, that concerned me. <laughs> she knew things I didn't know. And, and, and the nurse says to the nurse that's going to wheel me somewhere, she says, take him up to the heart failure floor. <laughs> uh, I have thought of trying to give some nurses some, you know, proper etiquette, you know. Call, call, it, call it the heart recovery floor or something, you know. Just kind of trick us a little bit. Uh, or call it... Call it the fifth floor, call it that. <laughs> so I'm getting wheeled up to the heart failure floor. Uh, and I, you know, learned, that's when I learned that I had had a heart attack <laughs> during the procedure. <laughs> and because uh, something slipped out. And uh, uh, so I'm in, I'm in there for, I, I forget, I think a week, something like that. And uh, because of officially having had a heart attack. And so uh, I, I wanted, they had movies, selected movies that, that I could watch. It was so nice. Of course, I'm, I'm sure we got billed for all those movies. Um, got, got billed for everything. <laughs> uh, and one of the movies was The Bucket List. Isn't that nice? That's, that's, that's a movie about two men who are dying. Uh, which is, it's kind of like showing those airplane magazines. I mean, those, plane, you know, when the plane crashes, when you're on a flight somewhere. But, uh, so I'm watching the bucket list, kind of feeling sorry for myself, trying to figure out what's going on in my life. Here I had a, how could I have a heart attack? You know, 
I'm in amazing condition. You know, how, how could this happen? And, uh, and one of the lines, one of the guys just got done throwing up in the toilet from the chemotherapy, th- chemo, and he looks in the mirror and he says, somewhere in the world, some lucky stiff is having a heart attack. And I thought, that's me. That's me. I'm the lucky stiff. I had the heart attack. And it's kind of amazing, and I, it'd, be, it'd be far more meaningful if in a church service I said it was God's word that changed my life, but it was, in this instant, that line from the bucket list. And it made me realize that there's a lot of people in this world who have things a lot worse than me. There's a lot of people in this world. On that floor, there were people who indeed were in the heart failure floor. And I got to walk out of there. And it changed my way of thinking. Well, that, that got me into cardiac rehab uh, because of my Sorry, because of my heart attack. And, uh, and it affected my life in a lot of ways. I, uh, I now carry nitro spray with me uh, and, a, and an aspirin in there somewhere. Uh, so if I get chest pains again, I'm supposed to spray that under my tongue. It's uh, nice that I know where that is every now and then. I, I bought a second bottle because I lost this one. Now I have two. I don't know where the second one is, but anyway... Um, uh, I take quite a few pills every morning, I'm supposed to anyway, and also in the evening, although last night I went to bed because I was tired and I, I didn't take my pills, and I think they were out in the car, but I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to bother Al. He, he was um, in the Marine Corps. Um, I want to just, anyway, I, so I took extra, I took those pills from last night this morning, and then that won't, see, the woman that lives with Al kind of gave me a little lecture. I fe- felt like I was back home with... Like, like it mattered. <laughs> anyway. Well, evidently it does matter. And then, of course, she asked me what pills, what they were. I don't know. Uh, little round ones. <laughs> oh. Well, it affected my life. This is kind of the point. Uh, Supposed to exercise, I go to a gym three days a week, I'm sure you can tell. You know, I walk on the treadmill while, you know, these high school girls on the treadmill next to me are sprinting for eight hours, uh, and I'm, I, you know, I'm walking for 20 minutes. Um, and it affected what I can eat, what I shouldn't eat, you know, like nothing out there that you had last night, thanks a lot for, uh, for, for not bringing anything. Oh, I had some of the salad, I had salad, and... And then there was these really good sausage things that that somebody grilled that I knew about. Uh, I had to sample those, and I, I understood they're really heart healthy. Uh, whatever. The point: a broken heart should show up in a lifestyle change. A broken heart should be evidenced in a lifestyle change. I went to cardiac rehab class on stress management. It seemed that from their opinion, as a group of non-Christians in the medical realm and talking about stress, who knew that stress affects your heart? Ooh, why didn't somebody tell me? And, and it, or, or potato chips, who knew? <laughs> uh, that uh, evidently, 
If you don't want to have a broken heart due to stress, you should stop caring. You should stop caring. Just don't care. Have an I don't care attitude and you won't feel stress. Well, there you go. That's a great way to be a Christian, isn't it? Just don't give a rip about what's happening in India. Just leave this room today, go home, and don't do anything different than you've been doing for the last months of your life. Don't change your lifestyle. Don't change your giving habits. Don't change your prayer life. Even though there's a Christian pastor in Iran who might be executed, don't let it affect, just don't care. But see, we should care, shouldn't we? God's Word tells us to care. And so, as our hearts break, and they should, they should, we should have broken hearts because of the needs and God's Word being ignored and disobeyed and blasphemed all over this world. It should break our hearts. And out of those broken hearts should come a lifestyle change. A lifestyle change. Just like my lifestyle should have changed, and it, it has, uh, because of my physical broken heart. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is asked the question about the greatest commandments, and that's where, where the theme of our ministry actually comes from, Luke 10, 27, 28. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the man then asks Jesus, kind of smart, I think, he goes, well, who's my neighbor? I mean, who should I care about anyway? You tell me to love my neighbor. Well, who is it? And he tells the story of the the Good Samaritan that we all know. And that a man was beaten up, beaten up and robbed. And he's laying, it says, left for dead, laying along the side of the road. And a priest, a religious leader, walks past, sees him. And what's he do? He, (laughs) He passes by on the other side and goes on his way. He didn't want his lifestyle to change. He didn't have a broken heart. He didn't care. He was doing good stress management, I guess. Uh, He saw him, and he passed by. Uh, A Levite, same thing. Saw the man, did the same thing. Passed by on the other side, went on his way. Samaritan comes along. He sees the man, same man, sees the same situation. And it's the same word. All of them see, see, see. Same word. They all saw the same thing. And yet the Samaritan, it says, it could say his heart was broken. It says he was filled with compassion. He felt compassion. He felt something. He felt something. And out of that feeling something, he did something. He allowed that situation to interrupt his life to change his lifestyle, to change what he was planning to do. And so he got off his donkey, he helped the guy, he bandaged him up, he put him on his donkey, he took him to an inn, he checked him in, he paid for his stay, and then he stayed overnight with him, because in God's word in Luke 10, it says that the next morning he told the innkeeper, if he needs more money, he'll come back and pay him more. It was costly involvement from the Samaritan. It cost him something. It cost him, and not just money. He didn't, sometimes I think in America, with some of us, it'd be, it's the easiest thing to do is write out a check, throw it in the basket, 
and feel good about ourselves because we help some poor person somewhere and go our merry way. But he invested a day of his life. He altered his plans. He didn't go where he was planning to go because there was a man in need and he stayed overnight in the inn to help take care of that man. So maybe in some of our lives, how we show, not just with our lips that we care, not just honoring God with our lips, but out of our heart, it might change what we do. Even, for example, not going on that vacation, but maybe visiting one of the missionaries we support instead, or putting a work team together to go help build a church that the $4,000 that this church raised can build over in Malawi. Or, I don't know, maybe giving up a can of soda every week. What's that, $2? I don't know. For a bicycle, what's that? $10 a week for 11 weeks is $110, and you got a bicycle for a pastor in Africa. Every one of us could do that, couldn't we? You know, or a dollar a day almost for 110 days. And you got to pastor a bicycle, which according to what I learned yesterday, that's like giving a 16-year-old keys to a new car. Like, wow, a bicycle? I got some in my garage that our grandchildren won't ride because they're not new. Yeah, I'll show those grandchildren. <laughs> See if they can ride my old bikes. Yeah, anyway. Well, the tires are flat too, but... Let me close with this passage from 1 John, chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. We know love by this, that he, Jesus Christ, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods, and that's all of us, that's all of us, we all, got some of this world's goods. And if we see our brother in need and close our heart against him, you tell me how the love of God dwells in you. You tell me, right? That's, that's what First John said. That's what John's saying. That's what God the Holy Spirit is saying to us. If you have the capability of helping somebody and you see, you see a need, and you close your heart. You don't allow it to feel. You don't allow it to be touched. Because again, I think part of our fear is a broken heart, a touched heart, results in what? A changed lifestyle. Then we have to change some things. We, we, uh, we have to eat fat-free hot dogs. You ought to try a couple of those sometimes. They just sit there and get black and don't expand at all. Who knew how good fat tasted? I hope you all are condemned to eat fat-free hot dogs. But I shouldn't complain. Uh, especially in the light of many, many people who probably would be very, very happy even for a fat-free hot dog, right? So I should, and you can tell me later, but I should quit complaining. I should quit complaining. I should just be thankful I'm alive, right? Um, and, I, and I think I am. But evaluate it in your life. 
as you see the needs and if you've been challenged by what you've heard and seen this weekend and uh, think about it, mull it around, discuss, talk about it. How can you adjust your lifestyle? How should you adjust your lifestyle in, in the light of what you've seen? In Rome, it's not Romans, in Revelation chapter 3, um, verse 16, uh, and I've been to Laodicea, all the seven churches in Revelation are in modern day Turkey. And every single one of them where a church used to be is now basically almost 100% Muslim. No churches. You can sit in Ephesus in the amphitheater where the Apostle Paul was in Acts 18 and there isn't a church there. And I've been to Laodicea and at the first times there they hadn't done any excavation work and it looked like a field of vomit. It looked like it was just a field and there were hunks of rocks that you could kind of tell used to be buildings and that was it. And there was a sign there, the site of the ancient, ancient Church at Laodicea. What what does God's word say in Revelation 3? I've seen your deeds. You are neither hot nor cold. What are you? Lukewarm. Apathetic. You don't really care. And what does God say? I will spew you out of my mouth. I'll spit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you. You know, and... And God is, that's the picture. God is sickened by a church that is lukewarm. That is lukewarm. And I don't think any of us in here want to be known as God's vomit. It's God's vomit, right? So what does that mean? That that means we need to care. That means we need to care. That means we need to, in response to our broken hearts, out of our love for God and our love for people, then we adjust our lifestyle and not just honor God with our lips, but with our actions. So if we we now know about the brethren who are in need and how does the love of God dwell in us if we don't respond? Let's pray. Our good and gracious God, thank you. Thank you so much that you got involved in our lives, that your son was willing to put on flesh and to come and to give his life so that we might know forgiveness and we might have a relationship with you. That is amazing. And thank you that he didn't just die for us, but for the sins of this whole world. And I pray that you would forgive each of us for just the times that we've closed our hearts, that we've lived our own ways, that we've passed by on the other side, as it were, when we've seen needs and heard about them. And I thank you for even the response to to provide a laptop that will help serve and reach people in India. Uh, And I pray that you would continue to stir up Fellowship Bible Church uh, for everybody and as a body and as individuals to be adjusting our lifestyles so that this church will be known throughout the world as a church that loves you, not just with their lips, but with their hearts. Thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.